sorry, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I promise I'll go probably pretty quick tonight. The pastor said that's fine. He says, you, he told me you need an, an early night tonight. That's what pastor told me. So I said, I can help you with that, pastor. That's fine. Get me to preach that. All right. Matthew chapter 8. It's really just a very simple thought. I was um, reading and thinking and I was looking at some information. I thought, I know exactly where I want to go with this. Something that kind of got my attention. Matthew 8. We'll start reading verse 1. It says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt... Thou, can't, thou canst make me whole, make me clean, sorry. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou, um, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. I'm just going to pray and then I'll get straight into some very simple thoughts um, tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to stand here on a Wednesday night. I pray that you would use the verses that we're going to look at and just some very basic and simple thoughts tonight just to just encourage us or maybe even challenge us tonight. And I pray you just use me. And I pray that you'll be honoured in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed today there seems to be a, a, a trend or growing fascination for those who can do the impossible? Or those that think that or seem to portray that they can do the impossible? People flock to see a good, magi- a good magician. I'm not talking about the one that can just do a card trick or two. There seems to be a, a big turnout today of... Um, so-called magic that people do. You see them on, on YouTube and they do a lot of sleight of hand and they look very impressive but we know only God can, only God can do the impossible. In Matthew 8, we see various encounters that, that Jesus has with, with several people and we see what takes place and, and Jesus is going to do some impossible things. Wherever, wherever Jesus goes, he always, always draws a crowd. There are two interesting characters in Matthew 8 in the verses that I just read. Now, Jesus isn't a magician. He doesn't do what, what people would call magic, but he can certainly do the impossible. 
the Bible tells us that nothing is impossible with God. There are two people that we're going to look at. The first one is a leper, the other one is a centurion. And um, what I hopefully will bring out tonight is just something very, very basic. It's not anything that you may not have, have thought about before, but it's something that, especially on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, that I guess has challenged me a little bit, um, and it has to do with our prayer life. Um, so the, I'm just going to go through what happens in, in each instance, draw a couple of truths out of it, and then I'm going to give you some, some tips at the end about some prayer. So the first thing I want you to understand is, is verses, um, the, the first few verses talk about, about a leper. Now, now, leprosy was one of the most contagious diseases in the Bible. I think tonight Caleb might have the, the most contagious. He's got the coughs, pastor's got influenza A, he's pretty contagious. But leprosy is not one of those diseases that you would like to get. I believe leprosy isn't as common today, but still exists. I know when Mrs Haycock and I went to um, India last year in November, the hotel we were staying at there, lo and behold, there was another white group there within the same hotel. They were a group of English churchgoers and they were on a tour through the area that we were uh, visiting and we got chatting with them on one morning and they were, they were visiting um, some leper colonies. So they still exist in India, even, even in the town and the community where Pastor Jeevan lives. But leprosy is one of those things in the Bible, especially where a lot of people caught it. And if you caught it, then obviously you were unclean. And if you go and if you do some Bible study on it, you, were, you had to be separated from, from those that didn't have leprosy. So if you caught leprosy, or, or if I caught leprosy, then you wouldn't be able to see me anymore, more than likely. I would lose my income. I would lose my job. I would lose, probably lose my family. I, would lose, I think I would lose my dignity because of, I guess, the shame that that leprosy brings. I, now, I am now unclean. When, when people see me, they walk on the other, they walk on the other side of the road. Um, they do that now to me now, so it, it really wouldn't matter. Um, when I come into church, people turn their heads and say, oh, I don't know you, brother. Um, and they sit on the... Most people sit over here while we sit over there. But... But leprosy is one of those things that you didn't want to get. And in, in Matthew 9, sorry, in Matthew 8, we come across a man who is a leper. He's got this condition and it's not something that he really wants. But one of the things I want you to notice firstly is in verse 2. Jesus has now come down from a mountain. Multitudes are following him. Multitudes. It's like they're, they're fascinated to see what Jesus can do. That's why I started with the thought about a magician. People are fascinated today to see something that is different. And multitudes are following Jesus because they want to see what's going on. I'm sure they want to hear what he has to say, but some of the miracles and some of the things that he's now performing are, are impossible. And yet people are drawn to that. And then along comes this leper amongst the whole crowd. Now remember... The leper is supposed to be separated from everyone else. From my reading about it, if you came across, if, if a leper had to mingle in society, they were supposed to um, let people know that they were coming. They would yell out, I'm a leper, or whatever they yelled out, they would signify that um, I'm coming through, 
Um, I'm being, I, I guess, gracious to you. If you want to depart, you can. But here he comes to Jesus. And the first thing I want you to understand is that this man sought Jesus out. He came to Jesus. He wanted to find Jesus. He didn't wait for something good in life to happen to him. He, he, he already had a bad thing in life. He already had leprosy and he comes to the one that can help him. I want to encourage you just with some thoughts about this. If we want to know about God or if we want to talk to God, if we want God's help with something, we need to go to Jesus. We need to seek him out. We can't just expect Jesus or, or God to do what we want, just sit back and wait. We need to express what we need. The leper sought Jesus out. He didn't wait for just the good thing to happen. He went out and sought him. And it appears he was tired of having, having leprosy and he didn't, want to, he didn't want to remain that way. When you see what he asks, he says to, he, he says to Jesus, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You wouldn't ask that if, if you wanted to stay clean. And I wonder how many things that go through our mind and our heart that shouldn't be there, do we really want to get rid of those things? Talk about sin. When there's sin in our life, do we really want those things to be dealt with? Or are we comfortable with it? I don't think the leper was comfortable with his leprosy. So he comes to Jesus and he, uh, he seeks Jesus out. Notice with me in verse 2 also, that when he comes to Jesus, he worships him. Interesting that that's situated there in the Bible. Here's a leper, diseased, sick of his condition. He's separated from everything that he's known. And he comes to the one he's been hearing about. He may have even witnessed the things that Jesus had done. And the thing that he does is he comes and worships Jesus. You know... This man may have tried all the different medications. He may have tried all the different specialist doctors. He may have tried all of the Amway products. He may have, he may have tried, he may have, he may have dabbled in some network marketing, uh, um, some multi-level marketing. He may have bought all the products and tried to sell them to the other lepers. I don't know. But they obviously didn't work. So he comes to the one and he decides that this is the one that must be able to help me. I think maybe he's seen what he's done for others. And in his mind he says, this man must be able to help me. And this man is different to every other person that I've asked about my condition. So he comes and he worships Jesus. He comes to the conclusion that Jesus is the answer. Have you come to the conclusion in your life that Jesus is the answer? For you that are probably here on Wednesday night, I would assume that the majority of us are born again. We've realised Jesus is the answer for our sin. But what about our what about our day-to-day -day lives? Have we come to the conclusion that, that Jesus is the answer? Or are we like maybe the I'm the leper who has probably tried everything, has probably gone through every potion, he's listened to every person, and when all else has failed. It seems like the only option he's got left is Jesus. I want to encourage you tonight, if you go through things in life, don't make Jesus the last option. Make Jesus the first option. Make him the one that you go to first. Don't, don't try and figure out everything. 
I know God's given us a brain and God gives us the ability to plan and the ability to do different things and the ability to try different things, but ultimately put Jesus first in that and allow him to help you with that. So the leper comes along and he worships. The, the, the leper believed that Jesus could heal him. And then we know the story in verse 3. The Bible says, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And the Bible says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Very simple thought. The man needed something. Everything else had failed. He wasn't happy with his condition. He seeks Jesus out. He comes and worships Jesus. He puts Jesus in his rightful place. He says, Jesus, you have the answer. If you will, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I know you can do it. And then Jesus answers that. Jesus graciously and miraculously touches him. And he just says, be thou clean. And the Bible says, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. I believe Jesus can meet your need no matter what it is tonight. And if you will but ask, and ask believing that Jesus is the answer for the needs of your life, I believe instantly he can meet that need if he so chooses. In this particular setting, Jesus did meet the need of this man immediately. We go to the next person, and again I'm just moving very quickly through tonight, is, is the centurion. From verse 5, the centurion was a man who had authority over a hundred soldiers in the Roman army. They were often, the centurions were often handpicked for their courage and warfare abilities, just like most chaplains are chosen for schools these days. <laughs> Isn't that right, Mrs. Davis? They were strong men. And, and, and often the best paid in the army as well. Sometimes up to 20 more times than the average soldier. That's definitely not me. <laughs> they had money and they had stature. So I want you to see the contrast between the leper who had nothing, who struggled in life, was separated from everything, had no dignity. Then you have a man who, who pretty much has everything. A man who um, wasn't just the average soldier in the Roman army, he was a centurion. He was over many, he was well paid, he was chosen because of his abilities, his dedication to the cause, his skill set. And he was a man of authority. And then we notice in verse 5, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Sounds very similar to the, uh, to the leper. This man sought Jesus as well. So no matter what sort of situation you find yourself in or what, stature that you are or where you're situated with money or with education or with prestige, whether you're young or whether you have nothing or, or whether you're a down and out sort of person, Jesus can meet your need if you will seek him out. Whether you're rich, bestowed with goods, whether you're in a position of authority, whether you have a lot, Jesus is there for you as well. And I want to encourage you, you if you're that man, if you're like the centurion, if you have a lot of everything, you do need Jesus. We often think of those who have nothing and we think they need Jesus. But do we really think that about those who have a lot? Those who have great wealth and cars and, and property and, 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 and are CEOs and, 
who have great business, do we often think they need Jesus? We look at the, the, the one that has nothing and we think they do, but the centurion really does as well. This isn't the sort of thing that you would expect a centurion to do. He's a Roman soldier. He's a man of authority. He has great influence, he has great influence over others and he's coming to the Saviour. That was a pretty bold step, I think. He didn't seem embarrassed about meeting with Jesus in this situation. I wonder, would you be embarrassed meeting with Jesus in, out in public, in your workplace, on the bus? Would you be embarrassed about confessing Christ before others? This centurion may not be confessing Christ now, but he's quite open, openly meeting with the one that people are talking about, one that um, people are wanting to uh, harm, the one that, that people are wanting to catch out. And here he is, lo and behold, without, I guess, any regard for his, for his position as a centurion. He's now meeting with Jesus. So he seeks Jesus out. Next thing I want you to see is that the centurion lays out his plight before Jesus. He, he tells Jesus that he's got a servant at home and he's sick. He's sick of the palsy and, he, and he's grievously tormented. He's telling Jesus the problems that he's going through. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you want Jesus' help, you need to be honest with him. You need to tell him what's going on in your life. You need to be real with the Saviour. You need to be willing to lay out those burdens, lay out those sins that are besetting you, lay out those, those things that you need taken care of. Be real with the Saviour. Let him know what's going on. I know we know Jesus knows everything, but he wants to know. He wants to know what's on your mind. He wants to know if, if you're going to be real enough to admit some things. I'm going to get to something in a minute, which I guess I think I found myself going into when I pray. It can just be routine. It can be routine. But the centurion laid out his plight. Obviously, the money that he had, the wealth that he had is from being a centurion wasn't enough to get his servant healed. The influence that he had, maybe the sway with the specialists, maybe being first in line for the different treatments wasn't enough to help his, his servant. He needed Jesus, laid his plight before the Saviour. I found interesting in verse 7, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. But in verse 6, all, all, verse six, all he'd done is said, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick with a palsy. He didn't even get to say, would you come and heal him? What do I need to do? Is there a prayer I can say? Is there a doctor you can recommend Jesus? But straight away, Jesus said, hey, I'll come and heal him. I really, that really speaks volumes to me because the Saviour is willing to help very quickly if we were just to be honest with him, if we were, we were to lay our plight at his feet, Jesus is ready and willing to answer each and every one of our prayers. The centurion didn't have to wait. And I think maybe this is, uh, if it was me, I would have been maybe taken back. Whoa, it's that easy, you'll come now. We notice the centurion then goes on and he elevates Christ as the authority. 
The centurion puts himself down. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He had the right attitude before the Lord. I wondered when you go to prayer, when you want something, or sorry, if you want to talk to Jesus, if you want Jesus to help you with something, wonder do you have the right attitude? Do you lift up Christ? Do you bring yourself down? The centurion did. He gave Jesus the right authority. He didn't think he was even worthy for Christ to come to his house. He goes on to describe how he's a man of authority. He tells people to do things and he expects it to get done. And he knows Jesus is a man of authority. He says, listen, if you just say the word, I know it will happen. It will get done. And then in verse 13, at the end of the passage we read, Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. With the leper, the Bible says instantly he was healed. He was cleansed. The servant really didn't, sorry, the, the centurion didn't find out about his servant until, I guess, he got home. But in that, in that same hour that the centurion believed, Jesus healed the man of the palsy. Now, what, this is what got my attention and if you're, going to, if you're going to title this, guys, this is, it's going to be called, it's called The Outsiders. These two men were outsiders to Christ. They weren't part of the church. Their belief and faith in Jesus may not have earned them salvation yet, but them being them gained the ear of the Saviour. It got Jesus' attention. It caused him to act. It caused him to listen. It caused him to heal. It caused him to do what they had requested. And yet these people really didn't know much about God other than what maybe they physically saw with their eyes, maybe what they heard him teach. And I wonder about us as Christians who do have a relationship with Jesus. We've been born again. Have you ever found in your prayer life especially on Wednesday nights, we get a list, we, we look through and we rattle off a few things because it's routine. It's very easy to do. And I'm guilty of that. You read the names and without much thought, you go through the dear Lord. You know how to start the prayer. They bring before you this person. You may know some of their need and you mention that. You go on to the next one and then five minutes, you're done. Or 10 minutes, you're done. These men didn't know Jesus and yet with their belief and understanding of who he was gained the ear of the Saviour and got their prayer answered. I wonder what our prayer life is really like. Do we really come on Wednesday nights or use Wednesday nights because it's a corporate thing. When you come on Wednesday nights, do you come looking to seek Jesus out? Do you come because you know he has the answer? Do you come wanting to lay out your request for him? Whether it's on the list, lay these people out before Jesus and say, God, something needs to happen in these people's lives. They're sick. They're out of work. They're lonely. They need this. They need that. Do we really plead on their behalf for Jesus? Do we believe Jesus can answer that prayer? 
Jesus says to those around him, especially about the centurion, that um, he hadn't found so great faith, I'm not even in Israel. He's a man who believed what Jesus could do and Jesus acted upon that. So just these final tips as I end, and I've already kind of mentioned them. Firstly, seek Jesus out, let him know your need. Let Jesus know you believe who he is and that he has the answers to your prayers. Be honest in your asking. Tell God what's going on in your life or in the person that you're praying for. It's not that he doesn't know and he goes, oh, really? He just wants to know that you're, that you're serious about it. And then the last thing is that trust what he, that he knows what is best for you. As these men, the, the leper said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, Jesus could have said, sorry, not today. What could the leper do? He would have to trust that Jesus knew what was going on. Whenever we bring anything before the Lord, we trust that he will answer it according to his will because he knows what is best. So that's just a very simple thing. The outsiders out of Matthew 8, the leper, the centurion, and just the encouragement for us about prayer. And as we go into our prayer time, I want you to, not that I'm expecting you to spend an hour here tonight, but just when you pray, just be real. Just talk to the Lord about it. Okay, guys, if you're going to bring up the, the prayer, request, prayer request sheets, we'll go through some of these things. Obviously, pray for our pastor. He's unwell. He has the flu, which is not good. Thank you, young man. Answer to prayer for me. I prayed, I think, sure it was last week, right before, for visas for India. They were approved for me and for Brother Sylvester. And our flights, connections are all booked and paid for. So I want to thank the Lord for that. If you can please pray with me about that. Um, there's a lot of things we're going to do or planning to do. Lots of ministry, lots of new things. Um, so if you can pray with me, with me about that. Um, and also I've got a camp coming up in September. Um, I just need a lot of prayer because I've got lots and lots and lots and lots of messages to get ready between now and September and November. So if you can pray with me about that. So enough about me. Um, Pastor Lord's Unworld, play for the high schoolers who are on their camp at the moment through Good Shepherd Christian School. Um, I've seen some photos. I haven't really heard much more than just seeing some photos. I assume they're having a good time. Pray that the Lord will use Brother Andrew as he brings the different messages to them, that God will work there. Um, several people asked for other people. Sam Sparksman's dad having surgery. Um, Mrs. Blake's praying for her neighbour, Eileen. Uh, 